You are listening to Pandora's Box Radio with Kaylee LaRoche. For more information about my products and services, counseling, coaching, hypnotherapy, books, and audios, please visit NarcissismFree.com or PathBackToSelf.com. Hello, and welcome to Pandora's Box. This is Kalia, and today the topic of our podcast is, is falling in love unhealthy? So many of the people who have been in a toxic relationship realize that they have a pattern of attracting mates who are highly narcissistic, addicted, or dysfunctional in some way. The question I get from so many people is, how do I heal this pattern so I can have a healthy relationship? The answer to healing toxic patterns in relationship is not what most people want to hear. And this is why. Toxic relationships so often start out with a love bombing state or what we would call an intensely romantic stage of the relationship where we fall madly in love. We interpret this feeling of falling madly in love as what love should look like and anything else pales in comparison. But let me stress the word madly. Falling madly in love suggests that there's a part of us that is mad, that's kind of crazy in some way. We leave behind our senses, our discernment, our rational thinking, logic, and reasoning. We abandon ourselves and our ability to really think about what we're doing. We align fully with our emotions and let them lead the way. We may confuse collapsing ourselves to our emotions with following our heart, but it really isn't. Following your heart is more of an intuitive process that comes from our deeper selves. It's so many people who get involved in toxic relationships have an intuitive feeling that something just isn't right and they ignore that feeling. They become so addicted to the feel-good chemicals produced by the fantasy of being in love. And the initial stage of a toxic relationship is a fantasy. There's a complete departure from reality. If you think about drug addiction, one gets a rush off that feel-good chemical from the release of dopamine in the brain, which causes the association between the drug and the feel-good from the release of dopamine. When one falls in love, dopamine is also released, which gives you that feeling of joy and euphoria. So one can easily become addicted to the feeling of being in love. Noradrenaline is also released when one falls in love, which prompts the production of adrenaline, the fight-or-flight hormone that leads to the racing heart and sweaty palms. The third chemical released is norepinephrine. 
which is responsible for alertness and can make falling in love feel like an addictive rush. The key player, dopamine, pretty much rules the roost when it comes to our brain's reward system. The interesting thing is, it's the puppet master behind both the good and the not so good moments in our lives. So whether we're feeling virtuous or giving into our vices, dopamine's pulling the strings. When we're head over heels or hooked on someone, the same areas in our brain light up as they do when say a person's on cocaine or indulging in a sugar binge. Cocaine, for instance, messes with our dopamine signaling, giving us that temporary high. It's like our attraction to someone is a bit like being addicted to them. The regions firing up in our brains when we're addicted to material things are the same ones that get busy when we're emotionally attached to our partners. It's like our brains can't tell the difference. Ever notice how addicts in withdrawal kind of mirror those love-struck people craving the company of someone they can't be with? It's all connected in this intricate dance of neurotransmitters and emotions. Love can be distilled into three categories, lust, attraction, and attachment. Though there are overlaps and subtleties to each, each type is characterized by its own set of hormones. Testosterone and estrogen drive lust, Dopamine, norepinephrine, and serotonin create attraction, and oxytocin and vasopressin mediate attachment. We may have a belief that love happens in the heart, but it's actually a cocktail of hormones being released in the brain. So think about that one. Another thing that drives attraction is familiarity. So if someone has that familiar feeling, whether good or bad, it may result in being attracted to them. Familiarity is comfort in many ways to many people, where if someone feels unfamiliar, you're entering the territory of the unknown. This is where the saying, better the devil you know than the one you don't comes from. There's so much going on when we're attracted to someone that it's more similar to an addiction than what we might think of as a true heart connection. The connection that we feel with someone is a combination of this cocktail of chemicals and the feeling of familiarity. Even when you go the spiritual route and say, well, it must be a past life connection, or I felt like I've known this person my entire life, that comes from that sense of familiarity. The problem when it comes to toxic relationships is if you come from a dysfunctional family or had a series of toxic dysfunctional relationships, this is what is familiar to you. A healthy relationship prospect may very easily trigger your feeling of 
unfamiliarity, taking you into the realm of the unknown. Instead of feeling attracted to the individual, you may very well feel neutral or even repelled. This is why so many of us pass over a really positive relationship prospect for another highly dysfunctional one. So how do we change this? This is what everybody wants to know. We need to understand that the falling in love part of a relationship typically occurs in the beginning when all those hormones are released. But after a time, it's the bonding hormones of oxytocin and vasopressin that dominate. These hormones will drive long-term attachment. They will make you want to be close to your partner, cuddle and spend time with them. The hormones that drive lust and attraction tame down a bit, especially once sexual desire is quenched. A good, strong, healthy relationship will have higher levels of oxytocin and vasopressin being released on a more consistent basis. You will be drawn to cuddle, hug, hold, and connect with a partner on a much less intense level. And although it will feel good, you have moved out of the addictive zone with high levels of dopamine being released. If you have learned to associate the release of dopamine with love, if you're not getting that rush of dopamine, you may not feel that you love that person or you may not feel that you are in love. You also might not feel that deep longing that comes from feeling disconnected or unattached, which comes with avoidant or anxious partners that are all over the map that leave and come back. Since people who are highly narcissistic or addicted may have some kind of interference with the release of the bonding hormones, they can connect and disconnect easily. When they disconnect, it can produce a feeling of loss, which causes one to long for the lost object. This can be like a baby longing for the mother who's left the child with a babysitter. The baby may feel abandoned and cry out for its mother, but over time of the mother consistently returning, the baby learns that when mom is out of the picture, she's likely to come back, and this settles the anxiety that comes with the fear of abandonment. There have been studies conducted looking at personality disorders and attachment. And where narcissists and borderlines are found to have an anxious attachment and fear abandonment, antisocial personalities have an avoidant attachment style. Although personality disorders are complex, it is clear that the anxiety and attachments with borderlines and narcissists drive the majority of their dysfunctional and erratic behavior. When those of us who may have anxious attachment styles as well, but are not personality disordered, enter relationships with personality disordered individuals, 
by the time we're ready to move to that next level of the relationship, settle in and make long-term plans, the attachment anxiety in the personality disordered individual flares up and they begin to try to control the person and the relationship in order to manage their own fears and anxieties. This is where what we know to be the love bombing stage of a relationship gives way to the unstable, confusing, and painful stage. When we should be settling in, bonding, and making plans for the future, we're feeling destabilized, uncertain, and chaotic. If you grew up in a dysfunctional and unstable environment, this may feel familiar to you and therefore normal. So you may come to believe these are the normal ups and downs of a relationship, but they are not. They are signs of a toxic and dysfunctional relationship. When in a chaotic relationship like this, you are likely getting regular bursts of noradrenaline which prompts the production of adrenaline and your body goes into fight or flight. Since adrenaline is also produced during the falling in love stage, this can also feel familiar, but the result is living in a constant state of anxiety. Some of you may know what I'm talking about there. A lot of people feel like they're in a constant state of anxiety. And this is where one begins to really feel confused in a relationship. Is it love or is it an assault on your nervous system? So what do you think happens when you meet someone who's kind and low-keyed and not producing all those intense chemical reactions in your body that you formerly interpreted as being in love? What happens when they consistently show up in your life? What happens when you know that at 8 p.m. every night, they're going to call and check up on you? What happens when they always show up on time for their dates with you? What happens when they consistently answer your text messages? What happens when they are always giving you nice compliments? What happens when they communicate clearly how they feel about you on a regular basis? What happens when they are not rushing in to propose to you or to move in together, but are pacing the relationship and taking their time getting to know you. Now we are talking about a normal, healthy relationship. But for those of us who have come from intensely romantic, passionate, hot, angry, unstable, chaotic, inconsistent, and confusing relationships, we don't quite know what to do with this kind of stability. We may easily interpret it as boring. 
And it is compared to the intensity of the unstable dynamic. It's like the difference between going for a nice quiet stroll in the park to bungee jumping off a cliff. You're going to feel a whole lot more excitement and adrenaline jumping off that cliff. And if your nervous system is used to the high doses of adrenaline, you may not know what to do with a relationship where all the intense chemicals are not being released. You actually have to retrain yourself to find pleasure in simplicity. As psychologist Marissa Pierce says, you have to learn to make the familiar unfamiliar and the unfamiliar familiar. You need to have an intellectual understanding that those chemicals being released by your brain aren't actually signs of love. Love is something that is much more enduring. Just as I teach that self-love is an action step, so is love between two people. We demonstrate our love through consistent loving actions and behavior towards one another. I can't tell you how many times I've heard men and women coming out of toxic relationships tell me when considering a new dating prospect, they're really nice, but I'm just not attracted to them. You have to understand that you probably won't be attracted to a potentially good and healthy partner when you've been on the roller coaster ride of intense chemical highs and lows for so long. Your body doesn't recognize this as familiar at all. It feels foreign. You won't likely have that intense connection. It's not going to be the stuff romantic comedies and fairy tales are made of. So my advice to those of you who would like to have a healthy relationship is make sure that you have your relationship with yourself right first and then give the unfamiliar a chance. Give them a good chance. Don't date them a few times waiting for the familiar chemistry to kick in because it probably won't. But do you like this person? Do they treat you well? Are they consistent? Are they honest? Do they care about you? Do they care about others? Are they emotionally, mentally, and financially stable? Are they seeking a long-term relationship? Do they look good on paper? If so, give them a chance. Give it long enough where you can learn to get comfortable with the stability and consistency of the connection. You may find that love begins to grow and that you develop a real caring for this person. You may realize that you feel safe with them. Maybe the sexual chemistry isn't as intense as those hyper-aroused relationships, but the intensity gives way to a deep love and trust and a feeling that you're in safe 
hands. And perhaps you can find the ability to surrender to this and enjoy a very satisfying sexual connection. It won't be one that comes from feeling abandoned and disconnected and then coming together with that person and merging with the object of your desire. Because when someone is always present and available, you won't feel abandoned and disconnected. So that intense draw to that person won't be there, that longing. You need to retrain yourself to accept a healthy relationship in your life. You may need to learn a deeper understanding of what love really is. You may need to go from an anxious to a secure attachment style through the process of being in a secure relationship. If you're unwilling to give up your addiction to the strong feel-good hormones of the intense romantic chemistry, then you will likely stay in the same toxic relationship or you will go from one intense relationship to another and your nervous system will be very amped up on a consistent basis. If this is where you are and you are asking the question, why am I only attracted to narcissists or borderlines? or other unhealthy people, this is your answer. Because you are addicted to the intensity of the feel-good chemicals and simply aren't attracted to anything else. Changing your attraction patterns can be as challenging as getting over a serious addiction. So there is work involved because there is a serious addiction present. You need to get clean and sober. You need to heal. You need to stop looking for love in all the wrong places. And when you do, love can find you right where you are. Well, I hope this has been helpful for you. And if you'd like to know more about me and my work or book a one-on-one -on -one session, you can go to my website, NarcissismFree.com or KaliaLaRoche.com. Thanks again for being with me on this podcast, and I will see you in the next podcast. Have a great day.